Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, How to Pray Like the Apostles Prayed. This is uh, lesson number nine and part two of the subject, God is a spirit, therefore communicating with him can only be done supernaturally. We cannot pray by the spirit if we do not first have the spirit within us. Now, in the last lesson, we, we talked about some principles in part one of this less, this uh, subject. And uh, we closed with discussing the first Jews that received the Holy Ghost. But in this lesson, I'd like to begin by discussing the first Gentiles. Most of us are Gentiles. There's only two races in the Bible, Jew and Gentile. Everybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. And so uh, the first Gentiles received the Holy Ghost. This is very unique. Acts chapter 10, verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, that would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, 0 hour, 6 a.m., uh, third hour of the day is nine, sixth hour of the day is noon, nine hour, ninth hour of the day is three by Jewish time in that particular day. He saw in a, in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter, he lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell you, tell thee what thou oughtest to do. In the Greek word, therefore, oughtest is what it is necessary for you to do. Now, uh, again, the whole subject of this lesson, the last lesson, is how can I pray in the Spirit if I don't know I have the Spirit? And uh, we talked about the first Jews, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, but here are the first Gentiles. So Peter, who is a Jew that doesn't have anything to do with Gentiles, uh, he was a Pharisee before he got saved and struggled with that a little bit after he was saved. Uh, he is in uh, Joppa, uh, and he is, uh, it's noon. And he's waiting on lunch to be uh, prepared. And so while he's waiting, he goes up on the rooftop. It's probably cooler there, even though it's the middle of the day. Uh, and probably some breeze flowing that's not inside the hot house. Uh, and he's praying. And in that prayer, he goes into a trance. He goes into another place in the spirit where he's not aware directly of his surroundings. And three times he see this, sees this sheet let down full of all these animal, animals that the Old Testament says are unclean. And the three times the Lord says to him, kill and eat. And he says, not so, my Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean in all my life. And then uh, finally the Lord says, don't you call common and unclean what I have cleansed. And about that time, he comes out of the trance and the Spirit of the Lord says, there are three men that are here for you go with them asking or doubting nothing. And so 
about the time the Lord said that, somebody come up on the roof and said, there's, a, there's some guys looking here looking for you, Peter. And so he went to hear their story, and they told him about what happened to Cornelius. And so they stayed there overnight, and the next day Peter left. But he didn't go by himself. No, 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 no. He understood covering his backside. So he took six guys with him as witnesses. Okay. So these seven Jews, they show up at Cornelius's house. Cornelius wants to bow down and worship. He said, no, 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 I'm just a man. And Cornelius tells him the, the details of the vision. And Peter understands that that's what God was talking about when he was on the rooftop in the trance. And so Peter preaches to them. <clears throat> and to read the entire message of Peter, if that's if the entirety of, of it is recorded, uh it takes less than five minutes to read, maybe three minutes if you read fast. And uh, the scripture, God had fulfilled his word <laughs> because the Lord is only going to preach through men, not angels, and not directly by himself. So he gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. So the angel had told Cornelius to send for Peter to get him to come because he was given the keys to the kingdom. And so uh, while Peter was speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. So God had fulfilled his word so that he's not violating his own word because these people are desperate wanting the Holy Ghost right now. I mean, Cornelius and his household, he was de devout. The Greek there is not just devout, it's well devout. Feared God with all of his house, gave much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. Now, he could be a deacon in most churches, even most Pentecostal churches. We'd find a way to use that fella. He had authority, he had power, he was, uh, he was of great uh, significance, and he was a really good guy, and he was very devoted to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, so God would not lead, let him go hungry. He sent an angel to direct him to go to Peter. Peter showed up. So while Peter, uh, was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Now, here's where it gets specific. And they of the circumcisions which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles, the Gentiles, I mean, Joel, Joel said it was going to be on all flesh, but we, we, well, we know that figuratively, but we don't really believe it's all flesh, obviously. So they were astonished as many as came with Peter because one of the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know that? If you don't know when you get the Holy Ghost, how can these guys who are on the outside of these people getting the Holy Ghost, how could they know they had received it? Four, verse 46 starts with, for on this cause, on this account, for this reason, by this means, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So these seven Jews that have had very little ever to do with Gentiles are shocked that Israel's blessing and covenant is now upon these Gentiles, not just any Gentiles. Cornelius is a Roman army officer he is a part of the occupational force of Israel by the Romans. And yet somehow God got a hold of his heart 
And while he still had his authority and had his responsibilities to Rome, he got the compliance of the people by his kindness and the proof that he really believed in their God. So they didn't fight him, so he didn't have to fight them. But he wasn't a Jew. And he didn't get to Israel believing in the God of Israel. I don't believe that for by any stretch of the imagination. And those that came with Peter recognized that he had received they had received the Holy Ghost. Well, what was Peter's response? Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Now, I call Cornelius the forgotten man of the Bible. He, You don't hear him preached about by anybody outside of the apostolic church. And a lot of apostolics have never preached about him. But he is one of, his example is one that has more evidence uh, for Acts 2.38 that Peter preached on the first time on the day of Pentecost, on the birthday of the church, and just about anything else in the book of Acts. Because here's a man that is so devoted to God, but not yet saved. And God goes to the extraordinary measures of sending him an angel to tell him to go get Peter so Peter could come preach and fulfill the, the the stipulations of the word of God so God could then, not in violation of his word, pour out his spirit upon these first Gentiles to receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter didn't stop there. He commanded them to be Commanded them. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Commanded them. So here's the reason Cornelius is a forgotten man. You don't see where his life got better. Natural life or even his devotion. You don't see where it got better. It's never mentioned as getting better. What are the only two things that Cornelius and his household did after Peter got there that they had not done before? The only things mentioned in the Bible, the only thing stipulated in Scripture is they receive the Holy Ghost as evidence by speaking in other tongues. That's how the seven knew they'd received it. And they were baptized by immersion in the name of the Lord or the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Peter obviously was very wise in taking the six brethren with him at, to cover his backside because they saw it and experienced it too. But later, when he gets back from Caesarea, to Jerusalem, he's kind of called on the carpet. What are you doing going to the Gentiles? So he's giving this explanation. And I'm going to pick up the account in Acts chapter 11, verse 12, which is the very next chapter, obviously after chapter 10, where Cornelius and his households were saved. And the Spirit bade me go with them, not doubt, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which, had, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, these are Peter's words now, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall, future tense, shall be saved. So according to Peter, when the angel said to Cornelius, Peter will come and tell you words 
tell, tell you what you oughtest to do or is necessary to do in his state at that moment, he was not in the church. He was not in the bride of Christ. He was not saved. Well, Peter made it very clear in his discussion, who shall tell thee words, verse Acts eleven fourteen, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. So if whatever happened after Corne- after Peter got to Cornelius' house, saved him. Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved? And as I began to speak, as I began to speak, he was just getting warmed up. The Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. There were no, there was no wind. There were no tongues of fire. And yet Peter said what they received was exactly the same thing we received at the beginning. As on us at the beginning, in the exact same manner, according to the Greek, as it happened to us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how he said, quoting John chapter or Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Then remember I the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye should be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as ye, as God gave them the like gift, like meaning the exact same gift as he, them, as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard this, they held their peace and glorified God, saying that God hath also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. And so here we are. (laughs) Um, They got exactly the same Holy Ghost. Well, what does it mean to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? John chapter 7, verse 37, in the last days, the last day, the great, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said. When I have believed on him, as the scripture has prescribed it to be, faith to be, and belief to be, out of his belly, King James English, shall flow rivers of living water. (laughs) Oh, praise God. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Notice the direction. Not into, out of. Well, how can something flow out of before, unless it first gets into? Rivers of living water. If I believe on Jesus as the scripture has defined faith, and I meet the qualifications of what biblically is described as faith, then out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. So God did not give us his spirit to pool inside of us, did not give us his spirit for us to be cisterns. He gave us his spirit to be an eternal, ever-flowing source of the spirit flowing out of us. Now notice, he, singular, that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his singular belly shall flow rivers, plural, of living water. So if I have the baptism of the Holy Ghost out of my belly, and the Greek word there is uh, uh, literally uh, cavity or figuratively emptiness or, or is translated in some places innermost being, out of my 
cavity, my emptiness, or my innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Well, if it's a cavity or it's an emptiness, how can rivers flow out of it? Because it's been filled up by the Spirit so that it can flow out. That is the plan of God, for there to be an outflow out of our lives. And John, or writing this account later, describes to us when he's writing, by the instruction of the Holy Ghost, but this, what is this? If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he the Spirit of the Spirit, that they which believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So all of that discussion is about receiving the Spirit. But Luke acknowledged when he was writing the Gospels, which was well after the church was born, some say within the, in the 60s or later A.D., uh, John was writing about an event or a situation or a discussion or declaration by Jesus that took place before the birthday of the church. So John explains in his writing in verse 39 that what he's talking about when he talks about out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, he's speaking about the Holy Ghost that wasn't available at the time Jesus spoke it, no matter how badly anybody wanted it, wasn't yet available, because Jesus had not been crucified, buried, resurrected, and ascended into heaven so that he could send back the Holy Ghost or pour out his spirit upon us. Praise God. To just continue this thought just a little bit farther here, it's very important. Acts chapter 15, Cornelius in his house is discussed again because Cornelius' house opened the floodgates for the Gentiles to come in. It didn't take long till there were more Gentiles in the church than there were Jews. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of it, Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and a certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done for them, done with them. But there arose up a certain uh, of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. They were now followers of Jesus, but they still hung on to their Phariseeism, saying, that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And, of course, they were implying also with all those traditions, the precepts of their fathers that they had added to the law of Moses. Uh, and the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, <laughs> don't miss that part, there had been much disputing, finally, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago. So I don't know how long it had been from Acts chapter 10 to Acts chapter 15. But it, according to Peter, it was a good while ago. God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. 
Now, here's where it really gets amazing. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us in the exact same manner in which he gave it to us. And again, you go back to Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17, that we're given the Spirit of God, and by the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father, and the Spirit with our spirit bears witness. So God bore them witness. God which knoweth the hearts bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us in the exact same manner. And if you don't believe that's what he said, then the next verse takes all the question out of it, if you're going to believe the book. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. However, the Jews receive the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost is how the Gentiles receive the Holy Ghost in Cornelius' house and all that subsequently follow that, all of them, including Paul, who had been a persecutor of the church. He received the Holy Ghost the same way they all did. Same way. How do I know that? Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And he was speaking to a a church that had spoken tongues so much that it had gotten out of divine order. And so he's trying to rein in some of this out-of-order tongue speaking. And even though he's reining it in, he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. And then the last part of that chapter says, forbid not to speak with tongues. So God put no difference between us and them, Peter said, purifying their hearts by faith. When you go back to verse 11, chapter 11, it says the same thing, that they didn't withstand God because it was obviously he purified the hearts of those who believed on him. And how did they believe? How did we know they believed on him? Because God gave them the Holy Ghost, even as He did unto us. So, in Acts chapter nineteen, we get a completely different group: more disciples of John, but they're at Ephesus. Acts chapter one, verse nineteen, verse one. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? And they said, Under John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after them, that is on Christ. When they heard this, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came in them. They spake with tongues and prophesied. Now notice this. They are disciples. They're disciples of John. They confess that. Peter, or excuse me, Paul asks them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, even though we're believers, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Nobody even preached this to them. They were ignorant of its existence. 
like Cornelius. And he said to them, under what then were you baptized? If you don't know about the Holy Ghost, then how are you baptized? And they said, under John's baptism, which was three years preexistent and ended three years, or by John at least, three years before the Holy Ghost was poured out. So if they only knew the baptism of John, then they didn't know baptism in Jesus' name, and they didn't know receiving the Holy Ghost. And so Paul says, John had barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, they should believe on him, should, should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they said, well, we've already been baptized. We didn't need to be baptized again. No, that's not what it says, is it? When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, so the important part of this is that tongues is not just a sign, but it is the initial external evidence of someone who's been born of the Spirit. It is. You can't pray supernatural prayers without the Holy Ghost. You have to have the Holy Ghost. It has to be abiding in you. And it has to be governing you if you're going to pray supernatural prayers. How do I know that? Because of James' discussion on the subject. James chapter 1, verse 26 says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain, useless, empty, worthless. In chapter 3, he continues this discussion. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word by his tongue, the same is a perfect or a spiritually mature man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Submitted. And then he goes on with this, this, this discussion. And he's talking about the tongue. And it being bridled. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with, with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, or in this case would be a match that sets a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body when it's misused by the flesh and self-will and or the adversary, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. That's a, quite a statement. Every, every kind of beast and birds and serpents and things of the sea is tamed. Wow. And hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and curses, cursing. 
My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Doth a fountain send forth at the same time sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, even a either a vine or figs, either a vine figs? So can no fountain bring forth, uh, no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Now this is some amazing stuff right here, and I I don't have the time to focus on this in this lesson that it really deserves. But I'm going to say this to you. Okay, statements. If a man, uh, James 1, 26, if a man doesn't bridle his tongue, his religion is vain. And it says that if a man offend not in word, the same as perfect man and is able to bridle the whole body. So if my if my if if I can bridle my body, that proves that, uh, I've been given power. If I can bridle my tongue, that's proof that I have been given the power to bridle my whole body. And he talks about controlling the the, the tongue, just like ships are controlled by a little member, the rudder, and all, all animals have been controlled, but the tongue can no man tame. So if all of this is so needed and necessary, then who tames the tongue? God has a principle where when he establishes something, he starts with the extreme and most difficult to prove that he's able to do everything else. The first congregation he had was some, between two and four million people, depending on who's counting. He went from dealing with individuals and families to dealing with a congregation of two to four million people. My opinion, personal opinion, was closer to four million than it was two, plus all those animals. So... God proved that he could lead an entire congregation as a single body by starting with the extreme that he could do everything else. So when God wanted to prove that he and he alone had power over this body to enable us to walk in a way that's pleasing to him, he started by taming initially the tongue, that is the most unruly member, the hardest to tame and control the one that's impossible for humans to tame and control. And he did it. He did it. We yield to him, and he takes that tongue and speaks languages we've never learned before. It's a supernatural miracle, but it doesn't stop with tongues. So many people want to devalue the purpose of tongues in our life. When I'm praying in tongues, praising in tongues, I am practicing the Lord Jesus Christ. Having dominion over my body in order to speak in tongues, I have to yield myself, my will to God. And as I'm practicing by the spirit, yielding myself and my will to God to speak in tongues, that same exact power, that same exact principle that works through me in speaking in tongues is able to tame my whole body. I need to move on, uh, but submission to the will of God can only be done by the Spirit. I cannot tame my members. I cannot tame my tongue. I may want to, as Paul said, he wanted to do right and didn't do it. He didn't. He wanted to not do wrong, and he did it. He knew he could will to do it, but he couldn't make his will happen. Like I said, you and I have the power to choose, but we don't have the ability to make our choice. 
happen. So Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Young says that it means, and to each has been given the manifestation of the Spirit for profit. And Amplified Classic says, uh, and to, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the evidence, the spiritual illumination of the Spirit uh, for good and profit. Notice that, the evidence, the spiritual illumination of the Spirit for good and profit. Amplified 2015 edition says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the spiritual illumination and the enabling of the Holy Spirit for the common good. And then Rothersham emphasized Bible says, but unto each one is given the manifesting of the Spirit with a view to that which is profitable. It can't be profitable to others and to the kingdom of God through me if it's not first profitable to me to bring my body unto in a bridled condition. Okay? Receiving the Holy Ghost doesn't make me not a horse. It means that if I will yield to the reins, I will always be guided by him and I will always be empowered by him to do what it is he's directing me to do. That's what it means. Finally, we says, but to each one there is constantly being given the clearly seen operations of the Spirit with a view to the profit of all. Why is that verse important here? Because, because I can't have a gift of the Spirit until I first receive the Spirit. So the proof that someone has gotten the gift of the Spirit means they first receive the Spirit. But how can they know the when the breath the Spirit has come their way? By hearing the voice of the Spirit, John 3 and 8, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 2 again says, He that speaketh in unknown tongues speaketh not unto men but unto God, for no man understandeth him, how be it in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Then 1 Corinthians 14, 14 again says, For if a man pray in an unknown tongue, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unproductive. It's not producing the words. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, or praise with the spirit, and I will pray, sing or praise with the understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks? seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. For verily, thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. So the governing of the spirit uh, of speaking in tongues is according to what happens when the church is gathered. Though that governance or those principles do not apply when it's me and Jesus by myself in prayer. I'm not trying to edify anybody else. I'm trying to, to be strengthened myself and trying to obey God. And finally, as I have already quoted, but it will say so here at the end, after all of Paul's admonitions about speaking with tongues, he definitively declares which side of the discussion he is on. He said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And then at the end of the chapter, he said, Wherefore, brethren, cuffed to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Of course, all of that context is talking about what takes place in the body when the church comes together. But this video series is talking about you and Jesus and 
your prayer with him. And all these positive things are available to you when you let the Spirit of God pray through you in tongues. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, again, I loose upon you and me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that he would enable us to understand his ways and that we would be able to yield to his ways and believe his word so that out of our innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Every type, imaginable type of ministry to God and to others and to our own souls can take place as the spirit flows out of us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let it be so. God bless you. Amen.